2018 premium diesel. Joe Montana, Buster Douglas, John Elway, John Elway. Daisy, right, Soy, Blitz right, Travolta right, pumpkin left, alert, Charlotte left, on one. Bunch right, Zach, we'll go 15 tip scissors, cannon to 300 jet F stick. Victory is a great play call. All right. Welcome. Welcome to another episode of the Play Callers Club. This is the first time we're actually all three in person in Houston, Texas. Me and Rashad live here. Jake's in Austin. So he made the made the trip over the early, trip, baby. early this morning. And uh, kind of a kind of a fun first kind of uh, all three of us together. We watched the first two episodes of Netflix new series quarterback by Omaha Productions, Peyton Manning. Spoiler alert, if you haven't watched the show yet. You may want to, you know, we're obviously going to talk about what happened. So you may want to watch it and then come back. We're kind of giving our perspective a little bit of like, we're really focusing on like the, the player coach relationships. Obviously there's storylines outside of that, but kind of thinking more of like the specific football stuff. So I think it, I, I'm really looking forward to it. We had a blast watching it. I feel like we rewinded like 20, 20 different times to <laughs> a, lot, a lot of balls. Right, nerd, right down, nerd, nerd right down play calls and everything. Yeah. So, you know, it's all, it's all good stuff, but, uh, yeah, I guess Rashad, you want to start us off by like what was kind of your initial feel watching those first two episodes? Kind of, I don't think there's any ever been anything like it out there in the football world, so it's kind of unique. It was awesome to get that unprecedented access to these quarterbacks' lives outside, like outside of football, and seeing what goes 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 into it. I think the biggest takeaway I had just immediately. Being a non-quarterback in a room, right? For sure, for sure. <laughs> I just didn't realize. I mean, I ever thought about it, as corny as it sounds, like how many hits you guys take, and just how, like I said earlier, right? You could, you could, you're going to get hit. You can't hit the guy back. You guys just got to take it and get back up, and just having that physical toughness and mental toughness to get back up and deal with it. Um, really enjoy the different relationships between the different players and coaches. Like you could tell that Arthur Smith is like, I know he's like what second year Atlanta maybe. Yep, second third year. Yeah. Second third year Atlanta. You could tell like he's kind of coaching for his job. How he's kind of coaching Marcus Mariota compared to um, coach uh, coach uh, coach of the Vikings. How first year he seems like a really cool suave guy. I know we talk more about him soon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and um, also Big Red and and, and Pat. But um, all so far so good. Really love, love, really love the first two episodes. I think it might be aggressive to call me a quarterback. I think I maxed out on like <laughs> running the wing tee in high school and getting uh, moved to safety pretty quickly. But yeah, Jake, what what were some of your initial initial observations? I guess. Yeah, I think the the coolest thing that they did. I mean, obviously, purposely and non purposely, you didn't know what kind of seasons the quarterbacks were going to have going into it. But I think the difference of all three kind of guys where they're at in their careers. You got young Pat Mahomes. I mean, if you ask anybody, could be potentially the greatest player of all time at some point. Yeah. You got Kirk Cousins, who's kind of been there, done that, but still, you know, have to prove himself. And then you got Marcus Mariota that's, you know, had all the success in college, won the Heisman Trophy, but, you know, hasn't quite had that success in the NFL. So mm-hmm. kind of seeing their different but same approaches in in certain ways. So it's I don't know. It's going to be a fun, fun season. It was fun first two episodes, but looking forward to kind of, I think, you know, like you mentioned, Rashad, you saw the physical toll that they take, but they haven't, you saw a little bit of it, but really that deep mental dive that they've taken yet. Uh, And I think as the season goes on, it just gets more and more mental, um, you know, from 
you know, just a mindfulness perspective. I mean, you saw Kirk meeting with a, a therapist. What? Yeah. Psychologist. Sports psychologist. Um, that mental side of it, but also just the studying, yeah. you know, side yeah. of it that comes with it as well. I mean, I think as the season goes on, they're getting more or less and less reps on the field and you have to take more reps, you know, off the field. Correct. Yeah. So I think that's kind of kind of be where you see the transition as, as the season goes along. Yeah. No, I mean, I think it was clear just how much of a mental load each of those guys are carrying throughout the throughout the course of the week. And then on game day, you know, it was interesting how much the coaches are kind of asking, like, hey, are you good? And it's like, you know, trying to trying to calm people down, trying to see what see what guys are seeing and thinking. And um, obviously you're communicating a play call each and every down. And then having to go execute above and beyond kind of the standard, you know, obviously watch Pat Mahomes. It's like, yeah, you have to execute the play. And then he's executing above and beyond that with mm -hmm. kind of post um, progression type stuff, uh, which is unbelievable. But yeah, I mean, I think the, the mental load and then what Marcus Mariota particularly talked about, but I think everyone, every quarterback has their each individual issue with this is, how psychological it is and how much confidence plays a part mm -hmm. in successes and failures and bouncing back. And even some of those early season losses that Pat Mahomes face, it's like, yeah, they end up winning the Super Bowl and yeah, he's maybe the goat, but like he still has to deal with some yeah. of those early season losses and bounce back from them. And that takes a lot of, a lot of strength of like a, a lot of mental strength for sure. Yeah. I mean, I think, I mean, we saw it, I, we all kind of nerded out to start with, you know, Kirk Cousins, that first play call um, of the season, you know, against the Packers, he's talking about, you know, missing a check. And I think mm -hmm. you just don't well, – we've talked about kind of first-year coaches in some of our earlier episodes this year, and I think you just don't really realize – I mean, you're talking about, guys, this is their livelihood. You're not talking about a high school offense, a college right. offense, right? right. You're worrying exactly. about going to class, going to school, all of that, and all of the outside things you got going on. You're talking about, guy, this is their livelihood. They've got, you know, OTAs. You've got, you know, training camp. Um, and then preseason leading up to the season, you got all those reps, but you still got guys that, you know, first play call of the season, and he's nervous right. about, you no know, doubt. making the right check. And I think it's just, you know, wild how much truly goes into it. And as a quarterback, you – you know, as a, at a younger age, you kind of get to take some plays off. It's like, oh, we called outside zone sweet. <laughs> just just get to hand it off and roll. I just yeah. get, you know, I get the ball and turn around, hand it off. But it's thing. like, yeah. you know, at that level, you don't get a single playoff. Yeah. It's, no. you know, if they're not giving me the run look, it's I, I got to check it to a pass play. Yep. And I think it was crazy to see, you know, that first, I don't know if it was their first or second game, but that, you know, once again, we were slowing down, speaking yeah, yeah. out that Mahomes call. We're, you know, trying to decipher, is that one play call? Is that two play right, calls? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's crazy to think about, I mean, the dude's play calls in college were probably ace 95, ace right. 91. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, and now the dude's, I mean, he's spitting out so fast. Yeah, yeah, here we go. We got, we got gun duo left stack, H counter streak run pass, two jet chip buck pin Z fracture. So to think about like spitting that out. where, I mean... <laughs> You, you see, I mean, and then they highlighted it, all the physical tools the dude has, all the sidearm throws he makes. But mm -hmm. I think the jump that he made from, I mean, just to be able to say that play call, let alone wow. know what it means, yeah. process it, process what the defense doing, understand what your guys are doing. I mean, that's, 
extremely impressive to no me. Doubt. It's not they didn't they didn't dummy it down for him. I mean, yeah. he had he you know had to grow and learn that system. You know, in the middle of that, arguing with the best defender, Max Crosby. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I was like, yeah, just being a dog in his face. And I think, I think, uh, as a scope position player, you see your quarterback going after D line, you're like, oh, that's my guy. All right, we got his back. So it was really cool seeing his competitiveness, competitiveness, uh, throughout the games. And back to Kirk Cousins, seeing him, uh, talk about sh- being uncomfortable in the system right away, kind of like feeling like a rookie a little bit. Yep. When it comes to just learning a new terminology. Even though it could be the same plays you might have had under Mike Zimmer, but it's more so just learning those new words, getting comfortable with it. But then he mentioned about um, being kind of afraid to like check out that one play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. just yeah, not yeah. a ton of clarity of like when you're experienced in the system, you know for sure, right? And he, you know, he made the comment, you know, I wasn't, I didn't know for sure, so I let it eat. Yeah, you know, and I think a lot of quarterbacks have kind of experienced that kind yeah, of. Yeah, and I think yeah. just kind of going back to that terminology we're talking about with Pat, I think. I mean, I remember as a quarterback going to check a play sometimes. Sometimes you know the look, you know the play you want, right. but spitting out those words, yeah. like getting actually it to connect. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's like you're, all, you're afraid. Okay, well, I know what I'm thinking in my head, yes. but I also have to communicate, communicate it to this? Yeah. the five guys in front of me, you know, all the skill players around me. It's not just me that I have to right. worry about. It's, you know, those guys can't read my mind. Right. And they're not getting the play call in their headset. It's me getting the play call getting it out to them, and then if I have to change it, now I have to find a way, you know, the, the receivers aren't by you in the huddle anymore now. Now you've got to, you know, signal to them yep. or in front of, you know, 80,000 screaming fans right. somehow yep. communicate yep. to them. So, it's, I mean, it's wild. All that they've got to process in, you know, the time of the play clock. <laughs> yes, yeah. Well, and, and one of the things that Marcus Mariota mentioned early, and obviously, like, you see kind of those early season struggles and it's really turnovers. I mean, turnovers were really a killer. And he mentions something that I think we all recognize how thin the margins are mm-hmm. in the NFL that you can't get away with certain stuff. Like if, if you make certain mistakes, it's going to lead to a loss and it, things can kind of feel like they're starting to spiral uh, pretty quickly. And the reality is, like, we, we also see the Kirk Cousins, like, they kind of flash back to the Kirk Cousins. You like that game. And you have Kirk, who is down, what, 27 nothing, Yep. And he comes back to win that game. And then, like, that's the turning point in his career. Right. And he's, you know, a $100 million quarterback. After yeah. I don't know if exactly, but something like yeah. that. And it's like, he could very easily be a career journeyman backup. Mm-hmm. And that maybe that flipped the switch of his confidence. Yeah. What exactly happens in those moments? Uh, Mariota, I mean, Rashad's mentioning it. Like he was so dominant in mm-hmm. college. Like I think people forget how dominant, yeah. and how good he was. And he's had ups and downs in the NFL, obviously. And you just see how thin the line is between success and failure and how difficult it must be at the quarterback position to maintain confidence in some of those lows yeah and i think it's easy to see too that all of these guys have tremendous talent it's like i i mentioned it before we even watched the episode if you were to line up every nfl quarterback and just off of like you know physical attributes i mean marcus mariota is probably going to be at the top of the list no doubt dude's fast you know he's lean he just i mean he looks like a good NFL, yes. I mean, solid NFL he's quarterback. Smooth, man. He's so yeah. smooth. But it also shows you how important it is to have, one, a good play caller, a yep. good coaching staff, and two, good players around you. And it's just, I mean, Mahomes 
truly was. I mean, not that he wouldn't be successful anywhere else, but he got drafted to the Chiefs. He got to sit behind Alex Smith yep. for an entire year, learn Andy Reid's system. Like we said, that process from going to a two-word play call to a 15-word play call, yeah, right? that's yeah. a lot. And he got to you know kind of learn through that as to where Mariota was kind of throwing the fire early, picked second overall to the Titans. You know, probably not a team with a lot of talent around him. Right. Obviously, they're trying to build that. But when you don't have, you know, as much time, it's like, you know, you got to make it happen fast. And then, like you said, with Cousins, same thing. He got to kind of sit mm -hmm. behind Robert Griffin for a little bit, which is kind of a weird situation. And, then, you know, they yeah, hit on it. Yeah. How weird is it to take a guy second overall and then draft a guy three rounds later? Normally, you like draft Crazy. a veteran backup right. to kind of, you know, yeah. help grow that guy or you know, sit for a little bit, but you just kind of had to put two peers together, just you know, throw figure it out yeah. together. And he, you know, like you said, my hope is to play some good preseason games and right. get traded at some point. And then, you know, when he got his opportunity, he ran with it and, you know, turned it into a great opportunity in Minnesota. So yeah. it just, it truly is wild how, and, and like you said, uh, I think earlier, probably run a lot of the same stuff that they ran with the previous offense, but it's, you know, I think you see, and I think, you know, you're going to want to touch on this a little bit, no but doubt. that relationship with yeah, him yeah, and O'Connell, yeah, I think he's pulling more and more confidence out of him. Yes. And maybe, you know, not spoiler alert, I think we all know the Vikings, you know, lost in the first round last year. But I think as he moves on these next couple of years, that confidence is just going to keep getting higher. Huh? Yeah, it's it's trust, right? It's like, what what level of trust do you have? in each other mm -hmm. in that play calling. Cause it was, it was really cool to see there's an interaction at the end. Of, it's one of their home games. Uh, might've, I'm not, I'm not, I don't even remember who they were playing, but he misses a throw early in the game on a great call. I think it's a little slot fade or like kind Lions. of a rub. Yeah. It might've been the lions game. And he comes back later in the game and throws it kind of almost looks like a sail or scissors concept. And, and they score the last touchdown to win the game. And Kirk goes up to Kevin O'Connell and says, Hey, that's a great call. Like that is a great call. And Kevin O'Connell comes right back and says, no, no, no. Like the, your ability to stand in there, take a shot and deliver the football on the third down play. And then, you know, hit the, hit the game winner, obviously. Like, so you see the like kind of reciprocal nature of that relationship where I think, you know, the reality is in the NFL, it's such a results based business that those relationships can really start to fray when the yeah. results aren't there. And so again, like I think it seems like cousins and O'Connell have a great relationship yeah. and there's a lot of trust there. And you, you have to like keep seeing the positive effects of that for it to keep growing. But man, you just, you see those razor thin margins. You see how the Vikings are winning games against maybe less talented teams, but only winning like a one score game. So it's, but I, I love, I love seeing that interaction between coach and player and, instilling confidence in each other right so like because as a play caller like we think as coaches our job is to instill confidence in our players but shoot our players can really yeah. give us some confidence and saying that was a great call yeah. like that that freed something up or that was the timing of that was perfect and you know i think we're all human right like we mm -hmm. need that affirmation from our players we need we need that open line of communication yeah. going back yeah something i thought was interesting too and rashad i'd like to kind of get your you know thoughts on this as a receivers coach and kind of some maybe interactions you've seen. And I know interactions I had with my receiver. That's all, you know, Kirk Cousins, good or bad. There was, you know, the first game against the Packers where Justin Jefferson, you know, makes that catch 
And he's, he's a, you know, yeah. he goes and he praises him on the sideline for, yeah. you know, hey, you did, you know, you went and fought for that touchdown. Yep. You didn't just go down, you know, and I think we all know Justin Jefferson's that kind of guy. But like we said, that positive reinforcement, whether it's coach to player, player to coach, or player to player, right. I think is huge, especially for, you know, a younger guy that is extremely talented, but it never hurts to hear those things. And then there was the Eagles game the following week where it's like rock bottom. But, you know, and it sounded like, you know, Justin Jefferson said, that's my bad. Like, I didn't take yeah, it yeah. flat enough. Yeah. But it's not like Kirk was over there berating him. You know, he just had that conversation with him. It's, okay, we're going to move on. We're going to get better the next week. So I think that's always something that's a hard balance, but is extremely important for a quarterback because every receiver and skill position player you deal with, and, and even offensive linemen, I mean, you've, we've all seen the video of Peyton Manning and Jeff Saturday kind of getting after <laughs> yeah, it on the right, right. Yeah, yeah. You know, everybody's relationship's a little bit different. So I think as a quarterback and a receiver, you know, taking that feedback too, I think that's extremely important to kind of have that special relationship. So just, you know, kind of some of your thoughts on that. Yeah, I think it's very important for them to have a good relationship. Uh, essentially with the quarterback, he's behind a line of scrimmage, right? So he is visualizing what should happen, like, like mentally what's happening while the receiver's living it out. Yeah. So it's kind of like he's seeing it. I mean, obviously, it's real life. He's, like, playing in the game, too. But he's kind of like, I've seen this on film. We drove this up. We practiced this. Does this match up? Is it matching up for yeah, what you're seeing? Correct. Because yeah, yeah, he's yeah. actually living it yeah. out, running those routes, right? And, I mean, Justin Jefferson, I mean, that's not a bad guy to have as wide receiver, right? So looking forward to watching more episodes and seeing how those guys connect, see how those guys interact, because he had one of the best, rece- best receiving seasons of all time, oh, yeah. like 1,800-plus yards. So. Looking forward to kind of seeing how that how that rolls. But I think the most important part when it comes to quarterback and receiver relationship is just that trust. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you see it with you know I mean, we talk about these guys, but Joe, Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. How there's plenty of times while I watched the film with the, with, the, with the Bengals, how you know Joe would see Jamar even like bracket coverage, be you know it's man, he would just throw it up and let him just go, let him go get it, and he'll take he'll come down with it, right? So it's about trusting your guy, knowing his ability. Knowing that he could stack his defender and score a touchdown, you're always going to roll with him. Yeah, I mean that that relationship and trust is crucial across so many levels, right? And I think what was interesting for me in watching that episode is there was one moment when Pat was getting really emotional, mm-hmm. kind of in that Raiders game, and obviously like kind of getting after. Yeah, him, talking about getting after it with Max Crosby, and. uh you know, he, he made a comment. It was kind of a side comment, but it really stuck with me. He said, you know, Coach Reed, if he's telling you to pull back, like, you've probably crossed the line. <laughs> but it was interesting because he made another comment. He was like, you know, Coach Reed will let your personality show. Like, he's not afraid to let your personality show. And I think that was, like, a really instructive, especially as, like, a coach kind of, you know, we're all young young coaches growing in our understanding of the game okay. and understanding of, dealing with other humans as we coach, right? And so that idea of, hey, I'm going to let your personality show. Like, I'm going to let Travis Kelsey be Travis Kelsey. Yeah. I'm going to let Pat Mahomes be Pat Mahomes. I'm going to let Tyreek Hill be Tyreek Hill um, on the field and and allowing them to be expressive. But then it's like, it, it's cool because you can see the amount of respect that you have for a guy like Andy Reid when, like, if he's, if he's stepping in to say stop, like, those guys are listening. Yeah. And so I think it's it's really interesting. I think sometimes I know for for sure for me when I was a really young coach first getting started it was like I was just hounding guys all the time about every little thing. And so when I had to make a really important point, 
it was like, well, it's, you know, he's just as mad when I don't tuck my shirt in yeah. than when I like get a personal foul. Yeah. And so I think it was just kind of interesting to like hear them talk about the reverence they have for Andy Reid. And I think a part of that reverence is a level of respect that he has for the players. Right. And I think there's also a level of respect that the players have for each other yeah. in the league. And so that was just really interesting to see. I think we think of we think of people like hating each other or getting yeah. on each other and you know, that may happen between the lines, yeah. but it's not really happening outside yeah. of the lines. Well, I think to your point too, I think, you know, as a good coach, you understand that, you know, letting that person personality out is what makes, you know, a guy like Patrick Mahomes, yeah. Patrick Mahomes. If you, you know, <clears throat> put him in a I mean, kind of back to our last episode where you were breaking down their offense. Yeah. If you put him in a box schematically, oh, yeah. he can't be the player he's gonna be. Same thing with their personality. If you put him in a in the box with the personality, he can't I think what's what's awesome about him is he showed the true range of like maturity after that Colts loss. And mm -hmm. you know, we yep. we were not good enough. We have to get better. That's a I mean, yes, he's won two Super Bowls, but he's a young dude, right? Yeah. I mean he's right. Just younger, than all, he's younger yeah. than all of us. Like, I mean, it you don't always see that maturity out of younger quarterbacks and you know, taking one first of all, he takes ownership. He says, yeah. you know, that was on me, I can do better, but also we as a collective need to do better. But then on the flip side, he's, you know, he's that guy that will say, you know, go yell at one of the best defensive linemen in the league right. that I'm here. Right. And also have that, you know, confidence fire, and kind yeah. of flashiness. Yeah. And I think that's where Kirk Cousins, if he can, I mean, definitely not the style player of Patrick <laughs> Mahomes, but, you know, the, you like that. You, yes, you, know, you love the, to see that. Kirk like O'Chains yeah. with the chain. Yeah, 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 the yeah. more that he lets his personality out, the better he plays. And I think you kind of saw him almost crawl in a shell a little bit as they got to the playoffs last year. And I think, he, you know, he's just got to keep expressing himself, keep, keep you know, that confidence up. And I think, you know, once again, I said this earlier, I think O'Connell is going to keep pulling that out of him. And I think his yeah. teammates pull that out of him too. You know, a guy like Justin Jefferson kind of keeping him young oh, a no little doubt. bit. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, just fun, fun to follow that. and um, Cool to see. The way that you know the guys are just truly being themselves. Yeah, yeah. I, I loved how uh, Marcus Mariota, speaking of ownership, took great ownership over the, the first. I forget who to play in that first game, but um, we had that snap towards the end of the game and of losing, mm -hmm. had a fumble snap towards the end of the game and of losing. But you know, two games, a few games later against the Seahawks, similar situation. You know, fumble with the the quarterback running back, running back uh, mesh exchange, and uh, it was cool to both moments. He owned to both sides, and some guys don't take ownership. Yeah. But I thought it was immediately the first thing he did was, "Oh, that was me. Yeah. My bad. That was." And me. that goes a long way with your teammates. Too, oh, yes. yeah, yeah, because yeah. it's easy to it's easy to like point blame. Yeah, like, well, you could have done this better. He's like, "Oh, that was me. I should have handled that better." And for me, if I was a position player, I'll have so much respect for him, and I want to play for him harder because of that moment. Yeah, and and I think too when you talk about the quarterback position in the NFL your time is numbered, right? Mm -hmm. Like your days are numbered, I guess you could say. And if you are the guy that is always complaining and blaming other people, then the reality is like, you're probably not going to be a very desired backup yeah. at a future date. You know, if you're a guy that takes ownership and is mature and, you know, accountable, mm -hmm. you know, you're probably going to be able to stick around the league a little bit longer. Yeah. And I think that's probably true of coaches at every level too. It's like, yeah, you know, is it most important to be the smartest guy in the room or is it most important to be accountable mm -hmm. and be humble about the way things work? And, 
you know, we were, we had this conversation earlier when we were talking about our, our own staff is like, you know, being patient and working with people over time and being humble is, is so beneficial over the long term, as opposed to, yeah, maybe in the moment you can prove a point, but is proving a point really going to make the team better or make you better as an individual? And I think in the NFL, you may only be there one year, but if you have a positive uh, impact on your teammates and coaches, there's probably a coach that's going to be somewhere else that's going to pull you in, you know? And I think the same is true with coaches too. Like it, it was just really interesting to see like longevity usually obviously outside of like a Pat Mahomes, who's like elite longevity comes from guys that are mature and accountable over the long term Cause you want to stay in the league. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, to your point, you've, you know, excluding the Patrick Mahomes types, you know, you've got Marcus Mariota who did, you know, had, had to go, you know, kind of take his lumps and be a backup. Yep. I mean, was a backup for a little bit in Tennessee when he got benched and then was a backup in Las Vegas right. and then ultimately earned his opportunity again. But I think it's even cooler to kind of pay attention to the behind the scenes. You know, we yeah. kind of mentioned guys like David Blau, who was big and hard knocks last year and obviously ended up getting released by the Lions, but then got a shot, you know, to go be, I think he was with the Vikings, right? Mm-hmm, correct. Yeah, he was, you know, the third string for the Vikings, you know, still being able to stick around and yeah. obviously providing value to that quarterback. 100%. Same thing with Nick Mullins. You know, Nick Mullins kind of got his shot with the 49ers for a little bit. And I, I, I remember reading last year about how important it was for Kevin O'Connell to bring a solid backup quarterback yes. in. Yeah. And so just knowing the positivity that they've got in that quarterback room, whether you're playing or not, you know, I, I know a lot of people think, you know, people say, what, you know, what's your dream job? It's to be a backup quarterback right. in the NFL. <laughs> it's like you get the money, yeah. but you don't have to take the hits. But right, right. At a certain point, you need those guys, you know, yeah, whether yeah. it's, you know, I, I remember they showed um, a Washington clip from when, you know, Robert Griffin was playing and Kirk Cousins was like, I like that you saw this, you know, what did you see here? Yeah. Yeah. And that ultimately is what got him to where he is. Yes. You know, you, yeah. you never know yeah. when your opportunity is going to be on the field. And that's a good lesson for young quarterbacks that might not be getting the opportunities that yes. they, you know, they want. It's, you know, how much can I apply myself even when I'm not on the field to when you never, when that, you never know when that opportunity yeah. is going to come. And when it comes, you know, you might have one or two plays, you might have a full game, but you got to go make it happen. You got to be ready. And, I think people always think when it comes to top quarterbacks, we always think about Tom Brady, Peyton Manning. And those are the guys who are the face of the leagues when they're playing, right? Mm-hmm. But the guys who really make the league are guys like Ryan Fitzpatrick, Josh mm-hmm. McCown. Reason being, those are the guys who go to different teams every other year, it seems like, right? And they're the ones that are kind of holding the line for the next quarterback, no doubt. giving their yeah. all to that, to that team and leading that team, or they're training that rookie quarterback, right? And those, I, I think of those guys as like, the guys with like the hard hats on and just like yeah. blue collar guys who keep the lights on in the league. Yeah. Because yeah. about those guys, like it's like you don't, uh, some, some aspects you don't have a league because they're the ones that help growing the game and teaching the young guys how to just be a quarterback. Yes. How to watch film, how to practice, how to do, how to do adversity. Yeah. Nothing, I'm not trying to take away from Peyton's legacy or Tom's legacy, but I feel like when it comes to the NFL, those guys are just as important when it comes to keeping the game, keep the game growing, keep the game good. Yeah. And I think if you're on like the razor's edge of greatness, the reality is like you don't have the time and attention to mentor in the same type of way. And, you know, shout out to Josh McCown. Josh McCown's a, he's a Texas guy. He's down here in Texas for a little while. And um, he's now with the Carolina Panthers as the quarterback coach. That dude has literally been like 
helping rookie quarterbacks yes. for his whole career. And so who better to kind of steward Bryce Young through this process of being the first overall pick and, and help him understand, you know, what's going on in the league. And like those guys do end up making great coaches because they've had to be like a player coach for a really long time. And there was actually, you know, in kind of getting ready for this series, I was doing some research on Kevin O'Connell and he was kind of a journeyman backup yeah. quarterback was with Tom Brady with the, the Patriots for a little bit. Yeah. Um, and ended up, I believe, with the New York Jets when Rex Ryan was there. And Mike Pettin, I believe, was one of the defensive coaches. And because he was in New England, Rex would kind of like pick his brain about uh, New England's protections and mm -hmm. different things like that. And so Kevin O'Connell gave gave them a few ideas for the for the Patriots games. And then they were getting pressure on Brady. And, and Rex Ryan like jokingly said, like, Hey, Kevin O'Connell might be the best defensive coach we got. It's like, <laughs> it's like this guy's like drawn up like scout cards and like, yeah. you know, and, and, and they jokingly were like, Hey, you kind of, you're, ter you're a terrible quarterback, but you're going to make a great coach one day. And so I think you, you hear some of these stories and it's like, it's really hard. I remember even myself, I wasn't a great football player at all, but like, I remember at the end of my career, I was like, it's over. Like, it's just mm -hmm. over. I wanted to keep playing. I wanted to play in Canada. I wanted to, you know, I was thinking about going over to Europe playing and I, I never ended up doing it but I wanted to keep playing and then when I actually got into coaching it was like that same kind of spark mm -hmm. that I had playing just in a different right, way right, right. and it's just interesting to see some of these guys journeys I think Kevin O'Connell is like a, a great example of yeah he was a very talented quarterback and eventually you hit your ceiling yeah. and mm -hmm. it's over mm -hmm. same with Jake you hit that ceiling and it's over and what What's next? How do you how do you transfer your love of the game? Yeah, and coaching obviously is an unbelievable way to do that. But we're preaching to the choir. Yeah, that's like yeah. definitely. For sure. And when it comes to like the whole backup quarterback and starting quarterback relationship, I remember watching this one clip of Brett Favre being like, "Yeah, I, don't, I didn't know the plays, but Doug did, <laughs> right? Or Doug Peterson, right? Right." So it's cool, you know, seeing these former backup quarterbacks or the ones that are like coaching these offenses, yeah. designing these offenses, and it's I'm really interested to see how Kirk and how Coach O'Donnell really grow their relationship this season, year two together, see what justice they make, see what tendencies they break this year, and see just what they decide to do. I know the year didn't end as they wanted to against the Giants. I know that throw still sticks to, sticks to Kirk. I'm looking forward to Kirk to see. I'm looking forward to see just how that plays out in the series. Love to see what happens after that, what they kind of talk about. But, um, yeah, I think it's super important for backup quarterbacks. Such a, we love backup quarterbacks when a play cards club show. Um, we're all about we the love back and um, you know they're they are you know kind of bedrock bedrock to our league. And think about all the like really good play callers right now in the NFL that were backup quarterbacks. Yeah, yeah. Doug Peterson, Frank Wright, Kellen Moore. Yeah, I mean all these guys like yeah. spent so much time. I was, I was like, like, saying picture yeah. watching the watching the Packers and Broncos Super yeah, Bowl yeah. the other day, and you just see Doug Peterson <laughs> walking up and down. He's got the clipboard ready to call mesh. Like, now you got the guys. They've got the microphone in and they yeah. got the iPad out. He's over there with his clipboard, just writing know, it down, fluffing yeah. up guys the it's whole amazing. time. It's know, amazing. Know your role. No, I love it. One of the things I want to touch on real quick um, with, with seeing Kirk Cousins and then kind of rewinding his story back to being in Washington and RG3. Like that Washington experience was wild. Mm -hmm. He obviously backed up RG3, but let's pause for a second and think about you got Mike Shanahan mm -hmm. as a head coach, and then you have that whole crew come through of 
Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay, Matt LaFleur, uh, so many guys. And Kevin O'Connell was there for his quarterback coach at, at, at a time as well with Kirk. And so it's like you have this group of coaches that are now kind of like they were the young guys then and yeah. now are kind of the face of the league and how much of an influence that time in Washington was on their careers um, and how much they grew and how much I think that Washington offense still influences each and every yeah. one of them. I mean, you hear like they only give you snippets of play calls, right? But you're hearing like you're hearing twelve duo, you're hearing fourteen week, you're hearing like you're hearing all these different terminologies that are the same across multiple offenses, and it's because these guys have spent so much time in similar systems. And you know, it's just it's it's really interesting to think about how Kirk Cousins was on the ground floor for all of that offensive innovation in the NFL, and kind of comes out the other side as a franchise quarterback for the the Minnesota Vikings and obviously playing at a pretty high level. Um, but I would imagine that time as a backup quarterback, seeing this, like, I almost think of it as like a, like it was like a NFL startup. Yeah. It was like, it you is. know, being on yeah. being there at yeah. Google when they got started or Facebook, it's yeah. like all these guys just grinding. I think, I think Mike Daniel might've been there too. He was, there. He was one of the quality control yeah, guys. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I think Robert Sala was, I mean, he might've even been there. Like, yeah. I think there was just like this group of guys there. Yeah, yeah. And so it's just really, it's really cool to think about how, even though those years aren't thought of as like, Oh, we won the Super Bowl or whatever. It's like so much was changed. Yeah. Changed, changed, the, landscape changed the, the landscape of the NFL. Of the NFL. Yeah. And it's, it's cool to see, to, to think back to some of that as well. Yeah. Another thing that I thought was interesting with Kirk was him talking about, the different kind of like miscues that he mm -hmm. experienced. Um, and I, and I think that comes with, you know, the, the time he spent in Washington, the time, you know, the, yeah. the good and the bad that he's experienced in Minnesota so far. And he was talking about that interception that he threw in the end zone to Justin yep. Jefferson. He was like, you know, that I think being able to understand, you know, he said, you know, I've made, I have made bad decisions. That wasn't a bad decision. That was just an right. unfortunate play. Yeah. And yeah, that's yeah. one that I think kind of, you know, slides off your back a little bit easier than the ones where you do make the bad decisions. I think that was cool for him to recognize, like, you know, I, I made, I made a good throw. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's other, there's other good players in the NFL playing on defense. Yeah, too. exactly. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. when they and sometimes the play, ball bounces. When I, when I throw the ball up to my best receiver one-on-one, -on -one, like I'm going to take yeah. that every time, every single yeah. time. And, you, know, time. you just got to live with it. And so I think that's kind of the biggest thing for a lot of these guys. They, I think all three of them mentioned at some point, I think they kind of did a little feature on them towards the end of them talking about, you know, handling success and really handling that failure. And yeah. they all said, you know, the, the, the good plays are awesome and it's cool to see the highlights, but the bad plays are the ones that like really stick up at night. Yeah. And I think it's how fast, you know, one can you forget, but also, respond and I think that's what makes it the difference between a Pat Mahomes and anybody else in the league is he makes it easy to forget because he makes up for it the, next the very play. next play yeah. and you you know you looked at he he was talking about those slam dunk throws where he had the you know the easy dump off to the running back in the end zone Jared McKinnon touchdown machine we love him we love missed him. him you know the very next play play action rolls out to the right you know, they're talking about him looking like Magic Johnson out there. Spin move, <laughs> spin move, touch pass over the top, yeah, just right on the money. Unbelievable. I mean, that's truly what separates, you know, just a good, solid quarterback from, you know, potentially being one yeah. of, you know, the best all time. Yeah. And I think it's like, 
in some ways because of Pat's talent level, he can get away with yeah. some stuff mm-hmm. of like get away with a miss. And I think, you know, obviously he's not featured in this, but when you think about Tom Brady, like how precise he was and how very few times he missed or a Peyton Manning, how very few times he missed. And I I actually think, you know, we talk about the splash plays that Pat Mahomes makes, but he's become so much more consistent too. And so much more, you know, we see the arm angles, we see all that stuff, but they touched on it a little bit, his vision. and, And we've talked a lot about his vision that, yeah, he may make it look different than we're used to. His throwing motion might look different. It may be a baseball sidearm off-platform deal. But his vision's incredible, and he, he's become way more consistent over time. And I think of even that play when they hit the you know 60-plus yard field goal, his awareness of, hey, Kelsey, I'm throwing you this ball. It's not even a route. It's like a little dump. Like yeah. It's almost like why stick, but even faster. And get down, we're calling timeout yeah. immediately. And it's just like an awareness a control of the game, a control of the moment. I don't, I think we talk so much about his physical traits that we sometimes, I don't think give him enough credit for the mental side of the game. And even just being able to spit out that play call and he's, and it wasn't like, like him just taking you through it slowly. He, that thing flies out. You got to watch it. Episode two, I believe it flies out. Yeah. Well, I thought something I, I just really stuck out to me was, yeah, I think Buffalo scores right before the half or whatever. They're down three, and they're like, there's 16 seconds left. Well, most offenses are like, okay, we're kneel taking it out. And even even Tom Brady, Bill Belichick, they're probably taking a knee there. Yep. But the confidence that you know we talked about that confidence between play caller and quarterback. Yep. I think one kind of that growth that he's had, you know, the understanding of the game, but also just his physical traits. It's also just wild, just the confidence that everyone else has oh, there. I mean, they show his wife and she's like, 16 seconds, we're going to go score. Like, it's just... Everybody knows that stadium. Everybody, everybody yeah. in the stadium knows. I mean, yeah. you, you saw it the year before where they, yeah. you know, had two plays to go get the field goal, and once again, against the Bills. But that wasn't a situation where it's like, you know, this is do or die. This is where, right. you know, if we don't go down and kick a field goal, we are eliminated. We're done for the season. This is like, you know, we could... We might be risking it a little bit here, you know, down three. But right it is worth the risk. Against the Bills, which it is, is you know, really one of the best defenses in the NFL. But that's two plays for them. You know, you know he's going to make. I mean, I think he just threw a little short crosser, once again, to McKinnon on the first play. And then, like you said, he know, he just he knows exactly what's going to happen yeah. before it happens. And I think that's just the growth that you've seen him take in his career. And he's, you know, Kelsey. I'm going to hit you over the middle. As soon as you catch the ball, get down. We're calling that timeout. Yeah, 100%. That's just, I mean, they go on to lose the game, but they also go on to win the Super Bowl. So I think I it worked know, out. It's just, it's, <laughs> it's just wild to hear the confidence of there are 16 seconds left. We are going to go down yeah, and score because there's just, I mean, I would say 30 out of 32 NFL teams are just taking the knee right there. Without a doubt. Definitely without a doubt. Yeah, I think. You know, one of the last things that I wanted to touch on a little bit was, you know, the football part, obviously, I think is most interesting to us. And all of these guys work incredibly hard and they grind and all these coaches grind. I think they also highlighted a little portion in the show of like, hey, but we do need time with our family and we do need to be able to like, we need to get Pat Mahomes away from football for a minute. And that maybe it's part of what makes him so good is him being able to turn his brain off. 
and he, you know, even Kirk and Marcus and all these guys, like all these quarterbacks and all these coaches, what does it look like? Obviously, like the amount of work is incredible, but what does it look like to be able to turn your brain off and recharge a little bit and have some balance? Um, obviously, you're so obsessive in the season, but I thought I, I was glad they highlighted that a little bit because it's so easy to be so maniacally, singularly focused that you forget that spending time with people that matter to you actually make you better yeah. at what you do. For sure. They don't it's not like Yeah, and I think for, makes for each guy it's a little bit different of knowing kind of what that breaking point is. Yeah. Like I can only spend so much time in the facility, you know, on the field, stu you know, studying my game plan before I've almost just done too much over yeah. I mean over prepared yeah. a little bit and driven myself a little bit crazy. Yeah. It's like like you said, you need that step away to be with the people you love to just you know, be able to think about something else, yeah, you, have to. you know, for a couple hours of the day and then, you know, obviously kind of dive back into it. Yeah. Yeah. I really enjoyed watching the, whenever they'll have something or they're like one, one game, Monica was a game probably versus the Buccaneers when, um, after the game, uh, Pat was with his family talking about the game, certain plays kind of going through certain things. I thought it was pretty cool hearing players or perspective on certain plays that we may see mm -hmm. as fans and as coaches. And I really enjoyed hearing Kirk Cousins talking about that one play that he missed against the Lions, like with his family. And I kind of, yeah. you kind of forget, you kind of forget about those connections that, right, right. that they make with their family members about things that went well. It's kind of like, yeah. it's kind of like that, you know, that parent that's, uh, that's like a plumber, right? He comes home from work. Oh, I had a rough day. I had to deal with this client. Yeah, right, 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 right. I'm like, my dad's a plumber. So yeah, there you go. There you but, go. um, it was kind of, that's what they were kind of doing, talking about a certain place. That's like part of their work. Right. And yeah. it was kind of cool seeing that part being shared with their family. And I will love, as the season goes on, right, you probably hear like their wives kind of like talk about certain aspects of the game when it comes to them, you know, sharing, sharing that part. But, uh, it was cool kind of getting that glimpse of just that home life. And, um, it's once, once again, it's very important for quarterbacks or you mean all NFL players, right? To kind of like get that break away from football. Some teams have Mondays off. Some teams have Tuesdays off, but. It was uh, cool seeing uh, Pat with his daughter and his wife going to that. Uh, what was that like? Little like petting like, zoo, <laughs> petting zoo <laughs> farm, like like a little harvest festival farm. So, like, it seemed like they closed it out for today for them. Yep. No one was ever there, so it was really sweet to see that. Be able to kind of like break away from the game for a little bit because it's a long season. I mean, seventeen games, right? So yeah, for them to have seventeen games plus, you know, the playoff games for them to kind of get away, spend time with their family, is very important. Yeah, and I think what that looks like for each player and for each coach kind of may vary. Mm -hmm. um, but I do think, I do think it's, you know, I think back to when I was in grad school or, you know, undergrad and studying for tests and there were certainly tests that I didn't prepare well enough mm -hmm. for. Um, but there is also a point where you're like, at what point am I experiencing diminishing returns mm -hmm. from continuing to study when, you know, maybe a good night's sleep yeah. will help me with this test as much as anything. And so I think you're you're finding that kind of sweet spot of preparation and recuperation. Mm -hmm. Like they have to go hand in hand. And obviously there's the physical toll. But with these quarterbacks, you know, it's 99% yeah. mental. Well, and I think, I mean, the same can be said for the coach, yeah. right? It's, yeah. you know, I think coaching is a little bit different because you're job pretty much is all the mental side of right. it it's not you know you're not you're not going out there being the player and having to really worry about yeah. that point you have to at a certain point turn it over and put yeah. your trust in the players so you 
I think, you know, coaches typically are going to watch a little bit more film, but at the same point, you know, you can almost drive yourself a little bit crazy, you know, watching the same things over and over and over. At a certain point, you got to trust, you know, what you, you know, what you do well, what you know, and also what you're seeing, you know, from the defense, but also knowing that they're probably going to throw something at you that you've never they seen will, without a doubt. before and that, you know, you've built your offense so well that you've got answers for, you know, anything that you're going to see. Yeah. Well, and I think, yes, coaching is not physical in the performance sense, mm-hmm. but, you know, performance, even mentally, is physiological, yeah. you know. And so I, I remember it was maybe a couple of weeks ago I post, posed a question on Twitter, like, is it important for coaches to be in good shape? And there was a lot of, like, dialogue yeah. about whether that <laughs> matters or not. And people will, like, you know, almost, like, mockingly say, well, like, Andy Reid's not like in stellar shape. Like it doesn't matter at all. And, you know, I, I don't know if that's like totally fair necessarily to say. Um, but, but I remember thinking back to like Bill Belichick and watching the, I think it was a maybe like a 30 for 30 or a documentary about his, yeah, his last year in, in Cleveland Mm -hmm. when Nick Saban was on staff Mm -hmm. and everything. And everybody kind of thinks of Bill Belichick as like the ultimate grinder. And yeah, like he is. But I remember them panning to a shot of him watching film, but he's got his exercise bike in yep. there and he's riding the bike while he's watching film. He's got the clicker in his hand. He's riding the bike. And so I think like, yeah, it may take some multitasking. Mm-hmm. It may take some creativity, but taking care of your physical body will, on- will allow you to maintain some of those, uh, some of that work that, that the season does take, obviously. Yep. So I think, you know, it's, ugh, it's so hard. It's so hard to like, Again, I'm not saying like, oh, the in-shape coaches are the best coaches. That's mm-hmm. definitely obviously not true because it is a mental exercise and it is, yeah, there's so much that goes into it, obviously. But I think there is a portion of like taking care of yourself during the season. And I'm interested to see as we kind of get, go through this documentary, what does it look like for, because you're seeing the players take, yeah. having to take care of themselves mm-hmm. physically, get treatment, all this. I wonder if we'll get any glimpse into how the yeah. coaches take care yeah, of themselves. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see kind of how much insider view we get to see of the coaches because i mean you saw clips of them kind of talking about their guys right but if you'll kind of see maybe some of the quarterback coach interaction you know in the facility or whatever they'll kind of you know dive into what the coaches are going through i do know i do know one of uh andy reed's kind of stipulations with this show this is i saw it somewhere it was that okay you can you can follow pat around but I won't have any cameras or mics in my meetings with Pat. Yeah. Like in my quarterback meetings with him, nothing. Yeah. And maybe that's the secret sauce. Yeah. I mean, imagine can't, getting can't getting one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time with one of the greatest coaches of all time. Mm-hmm. And I would I would imagine like the amount of money you, you could get someone to pay to sit in that uh-huh. <laughs> sit in that room and get to hear those conversations and get to hear the ideation. And I know you know, from people I've talked to, the Andy Reid is just one of the most creative football minds of all time. And and then you get someone who's playing for him who can actually execute all of these crazy oh, ideas. Yeah. You're like, this guy must be in yeah. heaven. He must be in heaven. He must be in heaven. It's just amazing. Amazing. Well, I mean, those are two awesome episodes. We probably could have just binged the whole thing yeah. right there. Yeah, I think we seriously considered. Yeah, we, can, yeah, we were we were like, do we just do we just forget the podcast and just let just it rip. Yeah, just yeah. let it rip. Um, but yeah, I mean, if this is something you guys are interested in, we'll definitely 
do a few more reactions. I think what we're most interested in is that relationship between coach and player and getting as much kind of pulling as much football information as we can. If you're doing a Netflix show, you've got to have the human interest story. That's just part of the deal. Um, But our view of it is definitely coach and player, obviously. Uh, But yeah, we're, we're planning to still bring a bunch more episodes this off season heading into the season. Um, This has been an absolute blast for us so far episode six and we're just getting started there's a yeah. lot more coming and um we've had we've posed on twitter and several other places reddit some other places like ideas for episodes and so we're definitely taking notes of all those ideas that people have come up with we're a hundred percent going to do a wing t episode at some <laughs> point oh. we must yeah we got a jersey gonna, guy gonna, over I'm here i'm gonna have to get coached up oh on that man <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna i grew up in that office we're gonna have to install oh, install the wing t for jake <laughs> jake here i might be up all um, right. i love it man <laughs> i love it research for it's that gonna one. be great yeah, but but yeah there's so many there's so many things we can talk about and then obviously the season's right around the corner and we're going to be reacting to so much so much good football yep. this year. It's just going to be unbelievable. So be a lot of fun. we appreciate everybody who's been tuning in. And uh, please, if you'd be so kind, leave us a, a comment or a rating on the podcast. It means a lot. helps us grow. And uh, we look forward to keep bringing you as much information as we can throughout the rest of the season. Appreciate you guys. Victory is a great play call.